This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. But the other side of that is, you know, you get up this morning and I, I see nine people were killed in Allen, Texas. And then we had five here locally died in a car wreck. And so these things are real in the society we live in. You know, and so God said there in Isaiah 61, he said, I come to heal the brokenhearted. And so I I believe we need to pray for all these people that lost life. You know what? I don't know one of them, but I do realize there's people that are are hurting this morning because of this. And you know, even on those lines, and I I don't do this to embarrass you, but if if you're in here right now and you're brokenhearted, by something in life, just stand up. We're not, we're not going to punish you, okay? We just want to pray. If that's you, yeah, look, there's one standing up. Look at the people that are brokenhearted here. So come on, let, let's pray. And these ones that are standing up, why don't you stretch your hand toward them, okay? Father God, we thank you that we're the family of God. And Lord, we, we do give you glory and honor for the rain you've blessed us with. But Father God, we, we ask that you would comfort. You said you comfort those who mourn. And Lord, every person in in Allen that's represented by family, that Lord, through your grace and your mercy, you would touch them. The five that were in the traffic accident right here, Father God, that we ask you to do what only you can do, Father God. And Lord, everyone that's standing here right now that is hurt and brokenhearted because of the events of life they're facing right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to to go to work in them. Touch their heart, bless them, overflow them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, clap to the Lord. You can clap to the Lord and be seated. I don't know how God does that, but he's God. And he said, I'll heal your broken heart. So I believe he still does those things. Well, go with me to John chapter 2. I'm skipping here a little bit here in the second service. But... I want to talk today again about the calling that God's placed on every one of our lives. And we're we're designed, I don't care who you are, you're designed to serve God's people and God's agenda as long as you're on this earth to, to expand his kingdom. And with every one of us, your passion is tied to your call. Now, the word passion means a Intense feeling, a compelling emotion, a strong desire expression to fervently devote yourself to something. I don't know if you've ever watched a sporting event, but when you see people do one thing and it's just ho-hum, and you see people do something with a a passion, it's like night and day. And so I I believe that's what God's wanting to do today. He's wanting to ignite passion with us and if the passion that you have within you has, has gone out, let's, let's pray that God rekindles that passion, okay? And so we start here in, in John chapter 2, verse 13. And notice this is a story about the Lord Jesus. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem because all the Jews descended on Jerusalem at Passover. Verse 14. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and they sold sheep and they sold doves. Now notice where he's at. He's at the temple. He's at the temple mount. 
And at the Temple Mount, there were people that served, or they sold all these different forms of animals. They were needed because that's what they would do. They would buy them and they would take them in to sacrifice. Thank God the sacrifice has already been made for us. That was the Lord Jesus. We don't have to do that anymore. So he's going to the temple and there's all these ones that are selling animals. The end of verse 14 and he says, and the money changers were doing business. Now what the money changers would do there is when the Jews would bring their money for the temple tax, they would have to get it exchanged from Roman money into the, the Hebrew money, which was the shekel. Now, it'd be very similar to, to us if you've ever gone into Mexico and you're going to exchange your money for pesos. The worst place you can do that's the airport. They're going to rip you off. So this is kind of what's going on here. This was the worst place for you to exchange your money because they were going to take advantage of you. They were going to give you the, the worst rates they could. And so we highlight that. Now, what we're going to really look at is, well, what did this make Jesus do? Verse number 15. When he had made a whip of cords, huh? This is the sight of Jesus. We don't see that often. He, he makes a, a whip of cords and he drove them all out of the temple. And notice I said the temple with the sheep, the oxen, and he poured out the changer's money and he overturned the tables. So literally right here, Jesus was infuriated with what they were doing. And this wasn't a, a, an ungodly anger. This was a holy indignation. This upset him. And why did this upset him? Verse 16, and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. In other words, don't use the house of God to pad your pocket. The house of God was not meant for business. And so it's like the Lord Jesus tells us real quick, you, you got to stay with the, the main thing. Make the main thing the main thing, even at the house of God. And so he's, he's telling them, we're out of order when you're doing this. It's kind of interesting to try to get that picture in your mind with Jesus with a whip. And he's moving people out. So it shows me this was a big deal to Jesus. Verse 17. Then his disciples remembered that it was written... Zeal for your house has eaten me up. The word zeal means a godly jealousy. The word zeal means a passion, a, a fervor, a devotion for God's house. And so he was saying it, it's what burned with inside of the Lord Jesus. There was a passion with Je within Jesus to keep God's house pure. It's like this was... This was Jesus' mojo. And so when you look at this, I, I believe one of the main ingredients for your call and my call and our destiny is, man, I got to feel, be filled with passion. I, I got to have passion when I come into the house of God. In other words, it, it just lights me up. I, I don't come to church and feel like it's punishment. I, I come to church to, to worship with you guys 
and to get fed the word of God and just watch God move. But what begins to happen with us as human beings, we get pulled by the things of this world and the things of the kingdom of God. And so a question for you and me right now is, do you have more passion for the things of the world or do you have more passion for the things of God? Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter one. Ecclesiastes one, that'll be right after the Psalms, the Proverbs, and you'll go right into Ecclesiastes. If you've gone to Song of Solomon, you've gone just a little bit too far. Ecclesiastes chapter one. So as you're turning there, Where's your passion? Where's your passion right now? Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. This is King David's son, Solomon. Remember, Solomon was known as the wisest person on earth. His wisdom baffled people. So he's the writer of this, but remember this with this guy named Solomon. He got off track in life. How did he get off track? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, it's, it's pretty clear right here. He wants us to understand this word, name, this word or the meaning of vanity. And it, it literally means utterly meaningless. A most useless thing. Now, when we talk about this guy named Solomon, he had everything that you could imagine. You name it, he had it. So literally, he could say, I've been there and I've done that. He experienced everything that could be experienced and he experienced everything that life could offer. But it's interesting. He said it was meaningless. He said it was useless, absolute futility from a human perspective. And so what I believe he's sharing with me and you is don't allow the temporary things of this life to fill your life up. That's what he's talking about. Verse 3, what profit or gain or value has a man from all his labor? What does this literally mean here? He, he explains why everything is useless. There is no gain. There's no profit. There's no abiding value to man from his labor in this life. And then he ends in verse 3 and says, in which he toils under the sun or in his life. So he begins to present, present something to each one of us. Same chapter, verse 8. All things are full of labor, and man cannot express it. It's weary beyond description. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. In other words, you're never satisfied. You're left unfulfilled is what he's talking about. Verse 9, that which has been is what will be, and that which is done will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And so he said, there's nothing new under the sun. It may look different, but it's not new. It may have new titles, but it's still not new. It's all going to live you feeling 
in vain. It's, it's useless. So it's like Solomon is telling us, I, I, I've been spinning my wheels. And, and I live life burned out. I live life de, de, delusion. And so you know what I believe he's telling us? Re, rethink your purpose and your direction in this life because true, lasting things can only come from God. That's it. So what begins to happen here with this, guys, is when he says there's nothing new under the sun. We, we live in this, this, re, uh, this miserable, predictable routine that happens day after day after day after day. And our lives are like this. They're up one day, and they can be down the next. They can be good one day, and they can be bad the very next. And so what he talks about here is these trapped, compelling routines. Now turn a couple pages, just to Ecclesiastes 3. And what I'm talking about, when you get to Ecclesiastes 3, he lists these 28 cycles of life. If you live very long in this life, you're going to experience every one of those. What do I mean by those 28 cycles? There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time to weep, and a time to laugh. So you begin to see real quick again, I'm up one day, and I'm down the next. I'm happy one day, and I'm sad the next. And, and so this is what he begins to share with me and you, this thing called life, this journey. So we're in Ecclesiastes 3, verse number 9. What profit has the work, what has profit has the worker from that in which he labors? So he asked this question. What does a worker get? From all his labor. What do you get out of it? I get a paycheck. Yeah. But what else? In other words, does it bring satisfaction? Verse 10. I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are be occupied. And so he said, I, I've seen what the men do day by day by day by day by day. Sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life. Day by day by day, the whole hum. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Day by day by day, this is what he's talking about. Verse 11. But he has made everything beautiful in its time. Literally, what he's telling us here is, is when God created the world, he pronounced it very good. So everything he blesses us with, we ought, we ought to receive it with thanks and gratitude. So God wants me and you to enjoy this thing called life. He wants us to enjoy every step of life. He wants you to enjoy going to work. He wants you to enjoy your, your possessions. He wants you to enjoy your achievements, your accomplishments. But the problem is, when I begin to look at my achievements and my possessions as the only purpose and meaning in my life, these things 
There's more to it than this. And so don't, don't be caught by the temporary. It's almost like Solomon saying this neon light flashes before us and says, temporary. It's just temporary. It's just temporary. And then you get to a place in your life where you realize there's got to be more than how I'm living. Have any of you had a, an encounter with God on that where you realize at a certain time in your life there's got to be more than how I'm living? I had that experience at 18. I struggle with alcohol. I'm a mess. I mean, a royal mess. I begin to look at my life and I realize there's got to be more than to how I'm living. And there was more. It was the Lord Jesus. When the Lord Jesus came into my life, everything changed. The Lord Jesus gave me purpose. See, there's many of you in here right now that your life would be defined very similar to mine. If I wouldn't have got born again and gave Jesus my heart, I would be either in prison the rest of my life or I would be dead. Is there anybody else in here like that? Thank you for your honesty. So you know what that tells me? You realize that a place in your life, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. Now watch Solomon's next phrase, and this is going to make a huge point to us in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. He has put eternity in their T-H-E-I-R, their hearts. You know what that means? God placed within every human being eternity. Some people never surrender to eternity. He's put eternity in your hearts. You know what that means? That within every one of us, whether you admit this or not, you have an awareness, there's a God and there's an eternity. But do you need eternity to wake up right now? Do you need eternity to come alive? That eternity is just not a word. Eternity is a place we're going to spend eternally. When we talk about eternity, I'm not talking about a three-day weekend. I mean, some of us would think if I could go on vacation for a whole month, that would be eternity. No, that's not eternity. Every one of us in here have some family member in our lives that eternity needs to be awakened. And just maybe you're sitting here right now and eternity needs to be awakened in you. What would happen if we would begin to pray that? Woo, Father God, I pray today that Uncle Buck, eternity awakes in him. Stir that up because we're being biblical. He said he has also put eternity in their hearts. And so when we look at eternity here, there's this battle that takes place within every one of us day by day. The temporary and the eternal. And when we talk about this thing called eternity... My passion has got to be connected to the eternal. And when my passion is connected to the eternal, it's always about people. 
Eternity is always about people. Do you know the only thing or only people that make it into heaven eternally is people that give their heart to Jesus. Eternity is all about people. So I'm getting ready to break your heart. That new boat you brought last week, not going with you. That new set of golf clubs, not going with you. That new Mercedes Benz and somebody's now, he's really getting out there now. It's not going with you. How many of you have ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? What did he say? I said that. See, it doesn't go with you. The only thing that makes it to eternity is people. And so this is what he's talking about. My gift and my calling is designed to service God's people and God's agenda. And so when your passion merges with eternity, you'll discover your destiny. You have a role to play, every one of us. You're called. How do you know I'm called? Well, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to walk you through the B-I-B-L-E today. And I pray that this sticks in your heart today where you see how valuable you are. I pray that this wakens a passion within you. This stirs a zeal within you where woo, we become kingdom-minded, kingdom people. The only time you have real satisfaction when it's, when it's associated with eternity, the kingdom of God. So we begin in Ephesians 4. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. Verse number one. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, or a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beseech you. That word beseech means literally, I plead with you. Now, remember who this is written to. This is to church-going folk. And he said, I plead with you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Hmm. He didn't say for you to walk worthy if you were called. If you go back and dissect that, he said that you walk worthy of which you were called. So if you're born again, you're called. I don't care who you are. So guess what? If you're sitting here right now and you're born again, you're called. I didn't write it, okay? This is the Bible. That you walk worthy of the calling which you were called. You have an assignment. You have a responsibility. Verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering... Bearing with one another in love. So he just said, part of your calling is with tender humility, is with quiet patience, it's with gentleness, and it's with love. And you, some of you say, that's impossible for me. Not with God's grace, not with God's mercy. When God calls you, God graces you. God gives you everything you'll need. He'll equip you. How many in here 
could use an upgrade in your kindness. You know why I highlight that is? Because when you look at kindness and goodness, both of those are in the fruit of the Spirit, which in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. When you look at goodness and kindness, do you know kindness can speak to a deaf ear? Kindness can speak to a blind eye. See, I, I, I can't do without kindness. Man, could, could we not use kindness right now? Could we not use goodness? Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so what Paul said is, is you got to make every effort for unity. And the reason I believe he says this, it's a very serious matter to cause division among God's people. So much, if you do it two or three times, he said, point them out. Unity's a big deal. You know how big of a deal it is? Just read Psalm 133. Psalms 1 and 33 is only three verses. Psalms 133 verse 3 says, in the place of unity where God commands the blessing. Let me tell you a little bit about unity, just for a minute. A kingdom divided can't stand. A house divided can't stand. So if I don't have unity, I've got division. If your home right now has got disunity, God doesn't command the blessing. If your marriage has disunity and strife, God doesn't command the blessing. So you know what I'm telling you? Get back into unity. What does that mean? Somebody may have to repent. Somebody may have to say, I'm sorry. Somebody may have to say, I'm wrong. You know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay saying I'm wrong. I'm okay being the one that has to repent. That's how much I treasure unity. But think what he just said right here. Now remember, listen, listen. This is to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to church folk. You'll hear me say this. I fight for unity. I know the significance of unity. So this is what he's talking about. Now look what he goes on to say, verse 7. But to each one of us, stop. But to each one of us, you know what to each one of us means? To each one of us. He's poking you and me in the chest right now. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. But to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So when God gives you a gift, when God gives you an ability, God graces you. That doesn't mean you start up here. Just because you have a gift, it's still got to be developed. It's still got to be matured. You can be... You can be guaranteed this. The first time that Tom Brady went back to throw a pass, it didn't look good. 
The first time LeBron James shot a basket, probably didn't look good. But with the gift, it's got to be matured. So you know what that means? You're going to have to get out of the boat. You're going to have to start walking on the water. and That may be a little bit uncomfortable. But God graces you. So when I started preaching, I didn't start at a pulpit like this. I started with a bunch of fifth and sixth graders, and they didn't realize how sorry of a speaker I was. Thank God they didn't. Two years. And man, my gift began to develop, and it kept developing. And so God's gifted you, God's graced you. Keep reading. Verse nine, or verse eight. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he is Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Who gave gifts to mankind? The Lord Jesus gave gifts to men. Wow. You want to know a little bit more about your gift? Verse 11. And he himself, the Lord Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Wait a minute. He gave these gifts for what did he say? To equip the saints. What does the word equip mean? To prepare. To enable for function. And it's not a flamboyant display of platform stars. But the word equipping here, again, it's preparing, it's training, it's perfecting where we become qualified for service. Actually, it has the meaning of when a, bro a bone is broke, when they reset it, it's a necessary adjustment for the joint not to be out of alignment. So when I look at this word equipping, God's equipped every one of us. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's for the body of Christ, it's for every one of us. But Pastor, my gift is, is small. Nobody even knows my gift. Well, when he said it's for the body of Christ... The last time I looked, my pinky was part of the body. I know there's a guy in here who had part of his finger cut off. You don't know how important that finger is until it gets cut off. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but the ligament in your knee is not very big and you don't have much thought about that ligament until you tear it. And then when you tear it, you realize the significance. How many of you have ever tore a ligament, ligament in your knee? See, it's pretty important. And this is what he's talking about, the body of Christ. So as the body of Christ, we're like an orchestra. 
And you know what makes up an orchestra? A lot of different instruments that all make a different sound, but one is not more important than the other. And so for the orchestra to be successful, they play the same song under the direction of the conductor. Jesus is the conductor. And you know what Jesus says? I, I don't care if you're the flute. I don't care if you're the drums. You're important. This is what he's talking about. Now, watch the last verse I'm going to use here this morning. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, not little pit, uh, bits and pieces of the body, but from the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to affecting working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So it's interesting he uses the word every twice. Every joint and every part. You're needed. You're valued. See, I'm just telling you right now. This place would be in bad shape today if I was in charge of the newborn babies. We'd be in serious bad shape. One, I don't do diapers. I would look at your little six-month-old and tell him, suck it up till mama gets here. I'm not doing it. My idea of doing diapers is I'll hose them down. But there are people in here, you make doing diapers look easy. It's a gifting and it's a call. That's the touch of God upon your life. This service would have been miserable if I would have been on the keyboard. I can sing. I sing tenor. Tenor 15 miles from here. I sing soul. I sing so low you can't hear me at times. And sometimes I sing so loud that it freaks people out. I know I can't sing. But see, God's God gifted every one of us. See, we're like a football team. Takes 11, 11 people on offense, all unified to be successful. But none of them play the same position. But the quarterback's no, no more important than anybody else because if the quarterback doesn't have the center, it never gets snapped to start with. And so in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter if you're a center, you're a guard, you're a tackle, you're part of the team. But I don't want to be just part of the team. I, I want to be part of the team with passion. That I, I don't want to have more passion on Sunday afternoons when I watch the NFL than I have passion coming in here. Now, now be careful clapping. Be careful amening me. Because I, I, I know I, I, I can get passionate watching football. I, I, I'm telling you, when I watch football on TV, I'll do an end zone dance in my, in my living room. I don't have bricks. I have pillows in there. Sometimes I'll throw my pillow at that TV screen. Have any of you ever poked your TV screen? 
I've poked my, t- I've got them poked. Because I got passion. Just passion. Passion changes everything. And so what happens, I, you see me filled with passion with what I get to do. Shelly doesn't have to wake me up on Sunday morning to say, go to, go to church. I'm ready to go. And so God wants to fill us all with passion. A calling that says, you know what? If I'm in the nursery, I'm going to serve with passion. That little baby's going to go home and his diaper's not going to be on backwards. Just stand up here with me. Ooh, the passion of God. More on the eternal things than the temporary. Just get bow your head right there where you're at. Just maybe today you're here. And there's something about that eternity in your heart that's pulling at you right now. That eternity, God put it in your heart. That's God. If you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, that's God tugging at you right now. That's that eternity wanting to come alive within you. And so if you're here today and you're saying, that's me, that's me, I, I need eternity to come alive in me. I'm going to ask you to just really be bold today and just get out of your seat, come walking down here. We will clap, we will shout. If that's you, don't, don't leave here today without eternity coming alive in here. Come on, buddy, come on down here where I can see you. Anybody else? Wow. Wait just a second. Anybody else? Don't don't resist eternity, okay? That's the love of God. That's how much God loves you. I'm waiting. Hey, stay, stay right here. No, you stay right here. No, you're good. I, I, I just wait at times because I sense that, that God's doing something. There's, there's, there's ones in here that God's dealing with you. That's not me dealing with you. I'm not that, I'm not that smart, okay? Anybody else? Please don't go home without eternity coming alive in you today. Well, we got two. The angels in heaven, they, they go crazy over one. We got two. Come on, buddy. Come, come a little closer to me. You're, you're, good. you're both good right there. There's lights get me and I can't see your face. I showered today, so I smell all right. I, I want you two to say this from your heart, okay? Come on, everybody else in here, say, just bow your head before the Lord. Let's just pray this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. And I ask you, Father God, today to forgive me of all my sin. Father God, I ask 
that eternity would come alive within me today. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Thank you on May 7th that my name is registered in heaven because of Jesus being Lord of my life. Amen. That's pretty simple. Let's clap. It's a good day. Don't, don't forget May 7th. Don't forget this day. And you know what? Sometimes when we leave people through prayers like that, you say, I, I didn't feel anything. Well, I, I wish you had Holy Ghost goosebumps. But sometimes you just got to stay with the word. And the Lord said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he would save you. And I believe that's what happened right there. So your name's registered in heaven. Come on, let's clap one more time. I'm going to ask one other thing here as our team gets ready to play. If you've been more passionate about the things of the world than you have the kingdom, about eternity what would happen if we came down here today and said Lord awake passion within me awake zeal within me if you're here today and you say my, my calling needs to come back alive I, I need a touch of passion today you, you can't overdose on passion okay you can't have too much passion and so as they begin to sing, I'm telling you guys, I, I'm going to come down here. I, I welcome fresh passion. So if that's you today, if that fire has gone out, come on down here and let the Holy Spirit touch you, okay? Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.